Hey, what is up? Welcome to Cheers to Beers. I'm your host, Jess Keller-Poole, and we are back with another full-length episode. This week, I am joined by my friend, Texas Dave, um, who I met through Shauna. And while Shauna isn't co-hosting on this episode, she is participating virtually by sending us questions throughout the episode. So that causes a a little bit of chaos, but like in a good way chaos but make it good and now before we jump into this episode let's talk about what i'm drinking right now which is sierra nevada celebration and i cannot remember if this is what i said what i was drinking on the last episode but um it's really all i've been drinking (laughs) it's uh i think maybe one of my favorite ipas um it's just so so good like perfection everything i really want in an ipa from one of the best breweries so bitter, a little resiny, citrus, um, just like those classic seas, like California IPA. It's incredible. So we know Dave because he is the GM of the James Beard Award nominated bar and restaurant No Anchor, uh, where Shauna was also working. And so we met him through there, but he's also just got a, like a long history working in the beer industry. He, like I said, I call him Texas Dave. Um, from Texas, um, got a lot of experience there, is now up here in Seattle, and in the process of opening a new brewery that's gonna be on the Seattle waterfront called Here Today. He's also a beer journalist, works for Good Beer Hunting, um, so is a part of the beer industry in a lot of different ways, which is why I have a mom today. Also, he's one of my friends, I guess, like that, that contributes as well. So before we jump into it, as always, you can give me a follow on Instagram at JustJustBeer. You can follow Shauna at Shauna Brews and of course, Seattle Beer School at Seattle Beer School to see all the good, fun things we're working on. This episode, we're drinking a couple beers, but the one we're really focusing on is the Dark Mild by Machine House here in Seattle. It's an excellent beer. It's cask beer and... It's just absolutely delightful. So if you are in the Seattle area, definitely, and you just need something that's a little warm, a little comforting, easy to drink, low ABV, dark, mild is the way to go. Always. Here today is um, now, they're still in the process of doing some funding. So I do have it linked in the description of the bio um, for for the WeFunder if you're interested in uh, being a contributor and opening a really dope brewery and restaurant. All right, let's get into it, shall we? This episode, we are talking about starting a new brewery during the pandemic, our favorite event, March Mildness, and warning, don't take a Nissan Leaf to Skagit Valley. So um, grab a mild if you have one. If not, we're also drinking some Pilsner and some Orval. We're kind of all over the place, but it's great. So grab a beer that makes you think of friends and is comforting, and join us. Cheers. Shauna just said dude beers are necessary without a comma dude beers i said hey we should grab a beer when you're back and she said yeah dude beers are necessary (laughs) and then she goes not dude beers dude beers (laughs) like dude comma beers yeah she did (laughs) i'm like what the fuck are dude beers (laughs) beer is for everybody shauna (laughs) so we're just gonna like so we're just talking already and then eventually it'll start yeah Oh, it could have been right then. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also have to mention that Sean is not joining us 
for this record, which is funny because I know you because of Shauna. Yeah. Um, but the way she will be joining us is she will be sending in random texts throughout <laughs> the record. And the rule is that whatever it says, we just thought what we're talking about, read it and um, address it or answer her question, whatever <laughs> it is. We don't know. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to be happening interspersed. I'm, I can't wait to hear from her. Yeah. Shauna's uh, one of the first beer people I met here. Actually, probably the, I mean, really like the first via email when I got hired in No Anchor. And then, uh, and then yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. Great person. Agreed. Let's talk about what you brought for us to drink. Okay. Um, so I was trying to do something mildly impressive uh, for this podcast because I, I really love uh, a particular beer that is not available in Washington. And I was getting my buddy, who li- who's a fellow uh, good beer hunting person who lives out in Boston, to, to mail me some Allagash White, which is, if you don't know, listeners, uh, is this kind of legacy version of a Belgian wit beer that is arguably one of the best made, period, uh, throughout so, yeah. the world. Uh, and it's made in Portland, Maine by the beautiful people at Allagash. Um, and he, he normally, he had figured out the system where like he could get me beer in like two days <laughs> and, and, and USPS priority shipping. <laughs> exactly. Actually, uh, don't tell the postal service that, that I mean, they've got enough problems on their hands, but, uh, yes. So he would get like one of those, you know, flat rate boxes and send it to me and it like costs 15 bucks instead of like 40 something like FedEx does. Right. Yeah. And so <laughs> normally it's been foolproof, uh, but this time it got stuck in Georgia. That's fine. Hopefully it'll show up soon and I can still enjoy these beers. Uh, but, uh, but so I was trying to get some Allagash White because it's just one of my favorite things I love dearly. So in thinking of favorite things and like stuff that I've had here versus uh, elsewhere, I grabbed kind of a mixed bag of stuff. Um, so we're, we already have a little bit of uh, uh, Wayfinder Terrifica Italian style pilsner going horror pills, Italian style horror pills. Um, this is yeah, this is one of my favorites of uh, Pacific Northwest. I mean, just in general, Italian pilsner from Wayfinder. Mm. It was a collaboration with Heater Allen and Modern Times. Yeah. Um, and before I even had this beer, because some we getting Wayfinder up here is kind of hit or miss. Like a delivery or two will happen every once in a while. And then you have to get it before it all sells out. Cause everyone wants Believe it. Believe me, I've seen those fresh sheets and, <laughs> and I'll like email like two hours later and they're like, sorry, we don't have that anymore. I'm like, dang it. Yeah. So, but I adore their branding. And so when I saw that image and they sell like posters on their online store, mm-hmm. I saw this image of the Terrifica and I was like, I have to have that. So that a color image of that is framed and hangs above my TV. And I had that there before I ever tried the beer because I just love the artwork so much. And then finally got to try it and it's fucking excellent. And I think for those who aren't quite familiar with Italian pills, what that means is um, it's kind of weird. It's not like an official official style, but it is like a fairy, quite a bit hopped Pilsner. It's more bitter to me. It's more bitter than a German pills. It may be on par, maybe a little bit more than a Czech Pills, but it's paler than a Czech Pills is. So it's super clean and super bitter, and it's just, it's such a fun style. Yeah, they're great. I mean, honestly, it's one of my favorite things in, like, summer when I I don't want an IPA Mm -hmm. or a pale ale, but I don't want 
yeah, just your regular old Czech or German Pilsner. Yeah. It's the perfect kind of balance of those things. Agreed. Okay, we've got our first question from okay. Shauna. Yeah, before I introduce the next beer. Shauna. <laughs> um, I feel like I, we need to have like some sort of alert. Like I in post, yeah. Or yeah, yeah. Was it yeah, the old news ticker thing? Right. All right. Uh the actress, Honor Blackman, neither black, not a man, dis okay, wait. <laughs> okay, wait. Did she accidentally leave her Siri on? Like, <laughs> is she talking to is she talking to Josh about something? What's going on? Okay, so his first question: the actress Honor Blackman, neither black nor a man. Discuss. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> what? I, don't, I don't know. Who I Honor don't actually Blackman know who is. that is. Okay, wait. Let me uh, all Google right, we it. need to Google this. I guess. Uh, all right, so she's an English actress who. Okay. Passed away this year in April. Oh, my. Uh, oh, she was in Goldfinger. Um, oh, so, so an old Bond Yeah, person. old Bond girl. Um, thoughts? Right. Um, well, my thoughts are that I just learned who this person is today. Yeah. So, um, I, like, I, don't, I, I like the uh, first name Honor. Yeah, it's But also a lot to live up to, parents. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah you're really setting something for your child you're there. like yeah what if your kid is just a real piece of shit <laughs> <laughs> and you gave him the name honor is their middle name like disappointment or something like that <laughs> yeah it's, qu it's quite a choice yeah that's a lot to a lot to think about thanks thanks shauna we'll we'll revisit this question <laughs> after we both learn a little more about who honor blackman is <laughs> or was <laughs> um Another another thing about uh, Shauna is that I think I think where we besides working together obviously day in and day out, but we really started to bond. I feel like during March mildness last year, That's which was right. my first, and you know I'm sure it will happen this year. Uh, we will make it, or next year we will make it happen. Um, but that's the other beer I brought was a bottle of uh, Machine House Dark Mild. Yeah, because it's excellent. Agreed. Um, it's such a good thing. So March Mildness is this competition that happens at like a few places around Seattle, but we were participating mostly at Masonry, mm -hmm. yep. um, where there's a, a few Milds on cask, and or like is it just Machine House Dark Mild? It's Miles? just Machine House Dark Mild. Oh, from what okay. I know. Well, shit. Yeah. Um, it's a Machine House joint event with some bars around that's town. Right. Yeah. So Dark Mild is yeah. on cask, which is fucking awesome. And uh, the what's the ABV? It's like three point two or oh, something. Oh yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I think you might have nailed it actually. <laughs> Can you see three point seven? Oh, I was close. Yeah. Um, and they're they're just incredi incredibly drinkable. It's it really evokes imagery of like an English pub because this mm. is what it was, was like just drinking a lot of these low ABV, but darker, really smooth, um, not too roasty. It's, yeah. It's just easy. And like low, you know, it's that natural carbonation, mm -hmm. low, low carbonation kind of thing. That's so beautiful. That's like, that's what nitro is supposed right. is like supposed to, to, supposed to evoke. Yeah. Even though it fails every time, uh, but uh, it's just—it's it's just a different thing. Yeah, it's just not as good. Um, yeah. Sorry, I got a lot of hate for nitro <laughs> in my heart, but uh, <laughs> uh, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the love of dark mild, um, and the other—the uh, other thing I think you forgot 
that traditionally they drank this out of is a, ch- a shambong. So, uh, uh, which I've drank some dark mild out of before. It felt like I was right in the heart of London, uh, you know, in the 1800s uh, with my shambong in hand. I do full of dark mild. feel like the shambong is a very beloved uh, vessel. Um, I mean, uh, the most appropriate, one of the more appropriate, a la, uh, a la like a Perone. A Perone is better, though, for many reasons. How's uh, the Perone that Seattle Beer School sent you? Yeah, I have a, I was, I, that's my, uh, anytime I post a picture of that Perone, I need to make sure I put paid sponsorship on it. <laughs> uh, uh, it's doing great. Um, it's Excellent. living in my kitchen. Yeah, so we've now got the machine house, and Dave had the great idea of putting it into, um, well, the glassware we have here are more like German-style half-liter mugs, but it is very similar to the dimpled mug that is traditionally used in in Mm. England for cask beer, so it's perfect. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, this is, I think, going to bring back some good memories, because the thing about March mildness this year, oh, I don't even think we said it's a competition whoever can drink the most within a certain amount of time yeah there's a couple rewards yeah (laughs) it's like a t-shirt from machine house is one but then uh masonry does their own thing where they have like their own t-shirt made for it yeah yeah so it's uh and it is a really great way to bond with people Mm -hmm. (laughs) um i got like a bunch of people from aslan to start doing it and then we all know that's when COVID got really serious and we had to shut everything down. So our March mildness, it was basically cut in half. I mean, we barely got started on it. I I still managed a a fair amount during those two (laughs) weeks. We still did work. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Because I mean, like the the problem with it is, well, the beauty and the problem is, is that you're drinking like half liters of 3.7% beer. Yeah. And so like, once you get to like four of those two liters of of this a fucking yeah. two liter of coke of uh <laughs> uh mar- of dark mild like you don't really feel it yet no because it's so low abv but it's one of those things that like it's a slow burn and if mm-hmm. you're not careful then you all of a sudden you're gonna be one very full because that's a lot of liquid mm-hmm. and two like very uh all of a sudden drunk you know right. unless you uh prepared properly with food and and an Uber. Well, and the other thing is, is when, because cask is natural carbonation and has a lower carb than something on draft, mm. um, it's super easy to drink quickly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like flat soda. <laughs> but like, not terrible. Like, yeah, but like, but like I, don't, I don't know, like, I, when I was a kid, like, I would have, I would drink a fair amount of soda and it would kind of be like out while you're playing video games or something. Sure. Yeah. You like go back to drink it and you're like, it's flat, but you could just like chug that. It's so easy to chug. Okay. Good point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it's the same concept with the mild yeah. we have today. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I, I was guilty of my first couple, uh, trips into March mildness of, uh, not, not being, uh, fully aware of the effects that it was having on me. Yeah. It'll uh, get you. So yeah. And I would get to like, number six because i'm not a small person and (laughs) but i you know still that's it's just the amount of liquid at that point for me (laughs) i was just like uh yeah but uh and all of a sudden you're like oh okay i should stop now this is bad dude and what's (laughs) funny is like going after work for me it'd be like around five and then I would just be so sleepy afterwards that I'm like, oh, kind of considering just going to bed at eight tonight after just 
I mean, dark, mild mild. dreams, you know, like that's fine. (laughs) Uh, Just a little snooze. And (laughs) I do have to say it does feel a little unfortunate. I mean, a lot of things about this year are unfortunate. Okay, wait, we've got another text from Shauna. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, are you answering them to her via text when she says no. okay great no, i'm just telling Perfect. her when we're done she'll, yeah she'll, she'll have to listen yeah. um okay second question miller high life or Coors banquet okay she knows her audience one <laughs> um wait yeah. can we cheers really quick so we can drink this oh yeah of course there you go that's a hefty cheers these glasses that's are made for clinking yeah mm. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Blessing the Bar. That was that sound you heard. Um, oh, it's excellent. It's still excellent. That's great. Yeah, that's like a little more chocolatey. It is, in the, right? In the uh, bottle. There's, there's some roast there for sure, yeah. but it is still just so mm, mm. easy drinking. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Miller High Life or Coors Banquet? Mm-hmm. The answer is yes. Uh, but <laughs> she knows that I am a huge proponent of Miller High Life. Um, okay. And I, I'll explain why. <laughs> so uh, I love Coors Banquet, too. I think it's of the of the like full weight domestic mm-hmm. beers. It's one of my favorites. Agreed. It's the only one still brewed in golden, like only brewed mm-hmm. in golden. Uh, that's kind of fun. So that's nice. That means it's, you know, probably as close to the original as any of their products are. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's that's cool. Uh, but uh High Life, I really, really love, and I've written like a couple odes to this thing, uh, but I really love because it is like, to me, it presents as higher carbonation uh, compared to some of its other things. I think that's kind of that champagne thing. That's you know, exactly it's a pretty it. bubbly. Yeah. yeah. That's a great marketing idea. Like mm-hmm. it's, and uh, uh, really good high carbonation. It's consistently made. So I know like exactly what I'm going to expect when I get it. Um, and they're using uh, what it's like tetanang hops in there, which are like so low alpha acid that they can have it in a clear bottle. Mm-hmm. And so like <laughs> it never really like gets funky or weird, even though it should, uh, but it doesn't. Um, yeah, I don't know. So, so really my theory about it is everybody calls it the champagne of beers, which again, great branding, classic branding, looks really cool. They call it the champagne of beers, but I call it the Topo Chico of beers. Okay, that's because fun. Because it is that like a little yeah. bit higher carbonation. Uh, to me, it's like kind of like a Lotes Topo Chico. You know, it's like got that uh, <laughs> little bit of like corn and like whatever yeah, thing yeah, to it. Yeah, sure. Um, and it's clear glass bottle. It's just like a lot of fun. When I left Texas, when I was moving up here, my my going away party was a drink all the high life party at a favorite local bar that was like around the corner from the brewery I worked at. Uh, where they knew, like, when I walked in, there would just be, like, a high life waiting <laughs> for me. Uh, and we got close. We got down to, like, six. They had ordered a few extra cases for that night because they knew we were oh, coming. Oh, that's funny. But, uh, but yeah, I, I would lean high life, but if you throw me a Coors Banquet, I'm never going to say no to it. Yeah. I think I it's a little hard for me because they're both in the uh, the big beer category, right? Of course. But yeah. they're different styles. Yeah. So it's like I, I get a little picky with like my light beer and my like mega corporation beers. And uh, so I feel like I definitely can enjoy a Miller High Life, but it's been a very long time since mm. I've had one. So I don't really remember. But I have had a Coors Banquet and thought it was decent. It was pretty good. Even though I don't like Coors Light, 
No, yeah, Coors Light isn't good. It's garbage, right? Yeah, Shauna it's thinks it's better than Bud Light, and I have to disagree. I, I, it's been a while for either, so I, I usually go like the if I'm doing that sort of thing, I'm yeah. doing like a, you know, an original or a, a full, right. a full weight, right, as right, some right. people call it. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's hard for me because it's like different beers for different reasons. She has a follow-up question though after okay. that, which right, says, "What charm would you put on your belly button ring?" Obviously, uh, Miller High Life logo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and mine's just the Rainier R. <laughs> yeah. I just, I'm just really curious how she knew about my belly button ring. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, probably like a little Texas a little Texas outline. Yeah, there you go. So the shape. that kind of segues into a little bit about... Um, who I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People listening to this at this point, uh, they're like, who the fuck is this guy? Uh, yeah, so <laughs> I have you in my phone as Texas Dave, but I realized okay. that I actually don't even know where from Texas you came before you moved up here to oh, Seattle. Oh, okay, yeah. So uh, what's am, the deal? I am from Fort Worth, Texas. Oh, wait, I did know that. Born and raised. And then I, I did spend some time on the East Coast when I was in grad school, but then moved back for work and then eventually found myself in the beer world full time. And uh, yeah, then uh, not... A week ago today, actually, was my one full year in Seattle. Oh, congrats. In Seattle. So, uh, Not a lot of people make it to a year. Yeah. Well, yeah, especially <laughs> this kind of year, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe, really, I, I've only lived here for three months of regular Seattle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dude, that's what's kind of messed up is, like, luckily you knew people before the pandemic, but, like, imagine like first moving here and then just like being by yourself that sounds like a nightmare yeah i uh yeah for all you lonely people listening to this <laughs> we're sorry for your existential pain um uh, <laughs> this was actually what i was going to say before we had the question interruption but um the beep, 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 um yeah but one of my when we were talking about mild and stuff um one of my favorite things, because Seattle can be so gray and dreary in the winter, this December has been pretty nice so far. Yeah. Um, but once it hits like January, February, those are the, always the hardest months for me. And like mm. my solace in it is going to places like Brower's right behind us um, because it's such a like a big dark beer hall. Um, yeah. Or doing something like drinking a bunch of milds in a pub. Like, those are the things that kind of keep me, like, grounded a little bit. I'm like, it's a fucking dead of winter and the shit sucks. But you know what? Like, at least we have our beer and we have, like, a cozy yeah. little spot to be. Um, and, the, and those don't... beers, like, pair perfectly with that right. kind of, like, gloom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I will say, when I first moved here, the first, like, month and a half, I saw the sun every day. Swear to God. What month did you move here? I moved here December 2nd. Oh, yeah, you just said. I just, uh, (laughs) you've got the headphones on. Apparently, you're not even listening. Uh, (laughs) uh, But, uh, but yeah, uh, I did. You know, sometimes it would be like literally 10 minutes as it's like setting or or in the morning when it's coming up before the clouds have kind of like fully covered everything, you know. Um, But I I think there's kind of that like, I really appreciate how resilient the people are here. And, and yeah, there's a lot, there are a lot of people like kind of bitch about it a lot. And I'm like, I'm like, y'all like 
you knew you knew before you got <laughs> yeah, here you this know isn't it's a like, mystery <laughs> yeah or, or you've lived here your whole life and you've always known like, right, like right. Uh, uh the trade-off is is that like hands down the most beautiful summer i've ever experienced in my life yeah man i mean i'm used to six months or so of the opportunity for 90 degree weather and sometimes the certainty of 100 degree weather like i i'm i'm like i was like you know i love being outside i love being in the heat but you know if it's gonna be 75 and like perfectly clear for three months like sign me up I'll take whatever you can give me in January, February, if that's the like trade off, like, let's go. <laughs> yeah, man. And yeah. And it just kind of sucks that we don't really get to cozy up this year. I mean, we get to cozy up at home, but there's something different about being in like a dark pub with a dark mild. Yeah. Um, that I mean, really you can, uh, uh, I've, I've taken advantage of the machine house patio situation, mm, mm-hmm. uh, which puts you in the elements a little bit. I mean, <laughs> right, there's coverage, yeah. but, uh, you know, it's like there's still wind and yeah. a little occasional mist getting in. <laughs> right, uh, right. But uh, uh, that that's okay, I guess. Uh, obviously, doing that in, like, smaller and smaller amounts as we get more serious here. <laughs> but Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it is like the, you know, for the last, like, really for the last – six months i've been one of the few people who's gotten to enjoy like the inside of no anchor mm-hmm. and uh oh that's the other thing that's where i work uh <laughs> the other the other component about yeah, why we know yeah. you <laughs> um which has like that kind of you know it's a lot of wood and and like these cabinets full of things and it creates this kind of like cozy environment uh during these months for sure so, so yeah, I've been the only one truly able to enjoy that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, probably the only one who will for a while. But, uh, <laughs> um, okay. Beep, 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 beep. All right. Another question from Shauna. You just hiked all day. There was a lot of mud and annoying hikers not wearing masks and being loud. So rude. You get to your car and it doesn't start. You have to wait for someone to come to the trailhead parking lot and try to get a jump. The next people to arrive are <laughs> the rude hikers. Jeez. What beer are you drinking when you get home? This sounds like one of those uh, standardized test math questions. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, beer am I drinking when I get home? Yeah, after having More that like, stress What beer class. am I going to drink in that parking lot? Because <laughs> I, I just went through hell on my supposed relaxing outdoor time. Also, it wouldn't be unusual if you had a beer because you you got to take beer with you when you go on a hike. Especially Agreed. these like serious hikes that we have in Washington. Like mm-hmm. it is so rewarding when you get to the summit. Like if you're not packing a beer, you're doing it wrong. One of my favorite things I did this summer was I went on a hike. I can't remember where, it was, you know, out out uh east mm-hmm. uh off of 90. Mm-hmm. I went on this hike that had like three different alpine lakes along it and we didn't we only went to the second one uh because it was like one and a half miles you're at one three miles you're at one and then like seven miles so your round trip would be like 14 yeah. miles. so we weren't yeah. gonna do that in a day you right know? uh so we but when we got to the second lake uh yeah i had a couple beers with me and we just like hopped into this freezing cold oh water. Al- alpine lakes are no fucking joke dude yeah they're just snow melt yeah and uh and got like instantly refreshed and like drank a beer, <laughs> Just awake. had some snacks, you know, like, uh, I think that's a great thing for like, yeah, have the summit beer or whatever, or have one. Yeah. Waiting for you when you get back. That's mm-hmm. like ready for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's necessary. I, I would 
feel like more often than not I would have some sort of uh, good beer there. But if if it was that kind of day and it's like you know everything kind of you you don't get to have the relaxation you want because there's these people who are just like obnoxious and mm-hmm. like I'm 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 not like the hugest biggest asshole about like trail etiquette, but I I have appreciated that like when I go on a trail, like I'll have a bandana around my neck and I'm like popping it up when I'm getting near people or whatever. Um, and like letting people pass in the mm-hmm. right way and whatever. But uh, that would stress me out eventually, I'm sure. <laughs> and then you get back and your vehicle doesn't start and you got to wait. So and then you get home. There. I mean, chances are the beer I'm drinking is something to accompany the whiskey I'm drinking <laughs> uh, <laughs> at that point. Like, it's just going to be like one of those days. And maybe the joint I'm smoking. Yeah. It's just like right. at that point, you're like, I'm, I'm done with today. I'm going to just like numb out. And, yeah. and sleep this one off, you know? Yeah, I would for sure. I think a double IPA is the first thing that comes to mind. And I think I I do have a ritual of when I'm done with a big hike, it's just like a day trip that I drove to somewhere. I really like having like a big sandwich for like my after hike <laughs> meal. So even it is like so kind wait, of for what, dinner. Yeah. Uh, so I know you're you're vegan, right? Yeah. So what kind of sandwich are we talking about? Well, on there? one of my favorite places to go for the situation actually is a spot in East Lake called Mammoth. Oh and yeah, yeah, yeah. So they make really bomb sandwiches and they have a lot of beer on draft, um, a lot of great beer there. So because it's on the east side of the city when you're coming back from the mountains, you know, it's like yeah. close to when you're getting off the highway. So definitely hit there because they have a bunch of different field roasts. Um, that you can choose from and make like a custom sandwich, which I always love the option to do. Um, but they also, I think, had it wasn't a bon me, but it was like bon me inspired and kind of like American deliized. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so something like that that has got like tofu or some fucking protein. Good bread. I need crunch, but it can't be as hard as a baguette. Yeah. And then a double IPA on the side. That sounds I think great. That's just going to equalize my mood. One of my favorite things, uh, especially when coming out, because this is the only way it really works, when coming back from that area, uh, was that Snoqualmie or Snohomish? Yeah, so, uh, Snoqualmie Snow- Pass is like off Snoqualmie of Snoqualmie Pass. Yeah. yeah, okay. I'm I'm still, you know, figuring out You're learning. things. Uh, uh, but in Issaquah, which is right off I-90, there's a little taco stand called Zochi, X-O-C-H-I. And uh, I first heard about this from guests at No Anchor like last year, like shortly after I moved here, like a couple weeks in. And I went out there for a hike, uh, and then I stopped there on the way back. And their tacos are incredible, and they have they always have ten tacos available, things fillings, and they have uh, five that are meat and five that are veggie. And they have like a. Last time I was there, they had a Brussels sprout taco. Oh, that's kind of fun. That was incredible. I was, like, expecting it to be, you know, whatever. It's like, it's right, Brussels right. sprouts. I love Brussels sprouts, but, like, in a taco, fine. Um, and when you order them, you can either get five for $10 or you can get singles. And the singles are on homemade tortillas, and they're much larger. So they're, like, that's kind of the move, actually, yeah. unless you're wanting to try, like, kind of a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that's one of my favorite things to get, like, post-hike because it also like it's a connection to home for me. Right. And uh but it's just like really good like food. I um, so yeah, that's my next question because I'm from California, so moving here I w- I was so used to having like taquerias everywhere and mm-hmm. that's just not really a thing Same. around here. Yeah. 
So that I think that's saying something. If you're coming from Texas and you're like, these are good tacos, because there are good ones. They're just in the most fucking random places. <laughs> they really are. It's like I-90 or like on your way to Yakima. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I found I found some other spots around town that are that are fantastic. Um, one of my favorites is up in Ballard. That's not not tacos, more for like burritos or tortas and that sort of thing. Is uh, uh, Raiz. Uh, they're right on 65th um, in Ballard. And so they make some really great stuff. And there's a there's one spot in uh, it's in Capitol Hill. It's like right on a corner. I've only ever really eaten it after drinking a <laughs> decent amount, but it's like in a store. You know, it's in like a little corner store, mm-hmm. and, and they're like homemade tortillas the whole bit. Like they're legit. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's become a thing where it's like a thing that used to be a part of my diet. Like couple times a week right right is now just not and that's probably i mean maybe that's for the better (laughs) like long term (laughs) like maybe i should eat less of that fine um i get it but uh yeah it's been interesting uh i i don't think i've had i don't think i've experienced like true culture shock here Mm -hmm. because i was like so open you know i was like really excited to move and so open to the idea of like this new thing um i think what would happen is if i ever say i moved back to texas at some point I'll experience culture shock the other way again because that's actually mm-hmm. what happened when I lived on the East Coast. Right. And there was a little bit when I moved out there because it was a little different. But when I moved back to Texas, there was like this immediate like, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about all this. Right, uh, but right. <laughs> like here, here it's a little easier to move in. Um, you know, for the most part, the people here have been really great. And there's that kind of that thing everybody tells you, you know, besides getting told about the rain, everybody tells you like, Oh, the people in Seattle, like, they're not friendly. They're not, you know, they don't like outsiders. Uh, which gives them my theory about the rain thing, that, that it's kind of like why Iceland is Iceland, is, like, they don't really want people to come there because it's so great. Like, right, right. Don't, don't come here and fuck it up. Um, which might be true. Um, but for the most part, yeah, everybody here has been awesome, and it's kind of allowed an easier transition to be, like, to discover what's happening. Um, yeah. And, you know, maybe have a slightly, although I really all I've done is replace tacos with like uh, dumplings. So I don't <laughs> think it's, it, I don't think it's that much better. <laughs> so what was the like process or uh, like the reason that you were leaving Texas and coming to Seattle? Okay. That's a good question. Um, so before I moved here, I was working at a brewery. I worked there for almost five years, uh, like four and a half or so, um, called the Collective Brewing Project, which is no more, unfortunately. Um, they closed pre-COVID. It was mm-hmm. it was kind of a, you know, it was on its way to that thing, that end game. Um, and those people are, you know, my family and, and people I really care about. Uh, but it just, it just didn't work out. Um, and we all tried as hard as we could to, like, get that thing, keep that thing going. Um but I was looking for new jobs, uh, kind of looking around the country. Uh, I traveled a lot for collectives, so I knew a lot of people kind of around. And I was thinking, you know, maybe it's better that I get out of my hometown, in this instance, to find something bigger, whether that was somewhere as close as Austin or as far away as Seattle. Um, and so I was introduced to Chris uh, Elford, one of the owners of uh, No Anchor through Avery Swanson, who has former head brewer Jester King and one of my good friends, uh, who now is keeping together this beautiful mixed firm Cezanne uh, project in Chicago. 
uh, and the the thought here there was twofold that that no anchor needed a GM uh, at the time uh, they'd kind of been piecemealing it between a few people there and their company and it you know it's like it's good to have a one for that you know um, and also down the line uh, Chris and at the time Avery uh, she's since stayed with just doing keeping together because it became a thing that she really wanted to focus on and, and spend her time with. Uh, and part of the reason I think it made that decision a little easier for her was knowing that I was here as well, uh, was to open here today, which is a brewery and kitchen. We're going to open up on the waterfront, uh, next June. So, uh, that was kind of the plan. It's like, Oh, Dave's going to come up here. He'll be the interim GM at, uh, at no anchor, which, you know, uh, Checked a lot of boxes for me, you know, like great food program, yeah, great beer yeah. program. And then uh, uh, and then eventually we'll move on to the brew pub, which at that time was supposed to be like, you know, this past summer I'd move over to that. And then we'd open sometime, you know, late summer or early fall, uh, obviously, pandemic. And so uh, we pushed that a little bit. But that was, that was kind of the impetus. I mean, I really uh, – I had some other offers elsewhere in the country uh, that were very interesting. I thought would be great, but I thought at at their top they would be kind of more of the same of what I was doing. Whereas this was uh, an opportunity to kind of go back to a thing that I really loved, which is like working in a restaurant space for a little bit. Um, also, kind of decompress, not be like expected to travel as much, not be expected to uh, you know pull all the strings for one part of the company, um, that kind of thing. Um, <coughs> and then down the line, I'd get to do this thing where I, that I had ownership in, you know, and that would present like a chance to use these skills I developed, but also present a chance to learn new ones. You know, I thought that was like way more important than, uh, uh, you know, just kind of going in and maxing myself out doing the same kind of job again. Um, right. And it's, it's really hard to find those opportunities. So while yeah. taking on opening a brewery is a lot <laughs> and it's like, it's mm. still going to be a, a ton of work and, you know, exercising your skills as you're talking about, but it is something else that like, it is different when you get to have influence over like Jesus Christ over how you are like putting yourself into a company and like being in charge of like based on your history, what works well and what doesn't in a space mm. like this and like really getting to express yourself through that business. That's what it seems like at least. Yeah. I think that that's part of it for sure is to like the ability to build something, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I, I'm thankful that that opportunity, you know, has been given to me. Even, even if say things, it doesn't get built. Uh, I've still taken this opportunity to like learn and do a lot of new things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I think that's it was incredibly important for me. Uh, and the other thing is like it's uh, in the in the context of the world we literally live in right now. Uh, it's taught me a lot about like just myself and like how, how I'm going to handle these situations, mm -hmm. the kind of stress test mm -hmm. uh, that the last few months have been for everybody. Um, uh, really, really like pushes motivates me but also like humbles me a lot of the times mm -hmm. uh and, yeah no uh, doubt yeah and uh uh i think that's really great like that's kind of a the silver lining even though i kind of hate that expression <laughs> um 
of this whole thing and uh, and of the decision to move here. Right. Because you know, I didn't move here knowing three months later that uh, we'd yeah, <laughs> it be where we are. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, had you been to Seattle before? Absolutely not. Oh my God. So you just went for it. You didn't even <laughs> yeah. visit before. You were just I like, did, I did. I did. Mo- I flew up here like two weeks before I moved. <laughs> so the decision was already made. You were just checking yeah, it out. Yeah. I, I came to find a place to live and like start right. working a little bit. At, yeah. Yeah. Like getting, getting, uh, to know everybody at no anchor. Um, so yeah. And people ask me that they're, they're usually surprised when they hear that, but I'm, I, like I said before in my previous job, I traveled a lot. I hadn't had the opportunity to go to Seattle, but like I knew enough about it to know that uh, if I was going to make a leap anywhere, like uh, why not the place with like ocean and mountains and you know a, a kind of interesting food scene and an interesting beer scene uh, that's that's more developed than where I was living, um, and also all this like technology and kind of uh, some progressive mindset that, uh, you know, unfortunately is not as prevalent in Fort Worth. Mm. Uh, it's growing, uh, but it's not as prevalent in Fort Worth. And uh, yeah, so I was like, you know, if if I were to, <laughs> if I were to have to pick, you know, like that's a thing that I would, if somebody just said, you know, without the name of the city on it, I'd be like, oh yeah, that sounds good, you know? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, it takes a, a good amount of boxes. Yeah. Um, beep, 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 beep. We've got another one from All Shauna. Right. Uh, favorite beer and shot combo. Ooh. We kind of got into this and we're talking about the stressful hike situation. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of just like something simple, like a high life and a Jameson. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, uh, I was, I was into getting into mezcal when I moved here before mm-hmm. I moved here, but, uh, I've come to enjoy the mezcal shot with, uh, with either a high life because that's just or a Rainier or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, that's just what I might have. Um, I don't go highbrow a lot. I guess when I go out, that's <laughs> what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Unless I'm in a place where you go highbrow, you know, right, right. Um, or if I'm in a particular brewery that like I yeah. know what their specialty is. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, I think yeah. One of the things Chris told me about before I even moved here was like one of his favorite things was getting a beer like probably a high life and a shot of mezcal at screwdriver bar in downtown in Belltown. And I was like, man, that sounds great. <laughs> and so I've had the opportunity to do that. Another thing I love with a shot of mezcal in the summertime is a Stiegel grapefruit Literally, Radler. I was just going to ask you this. <laughs> oh my God. So It's so good. Like yeah. I definitely started cause I think it's an excellent brunch situation. Mm-hmm. Not like I'm trying to really drink hard during brunch, but like if you do want to do something more than, you know, bubbly well, or beer. Stiegel's low, low ABV too. So it is. it's fine. So <laughs> the first time I had it with tequila, I was like, oh, this is the shit. And yeah. then trying it with Mezcal, I was like, oh, this is the shit. Yeah. It takes it like, you know, like that grapefruit flavor and, and the sweetness is nice with the smoky. And, it's perfect. Uh, yeah. And then it's like. I love uh, agave and grapefruit. I think they're just perfect yeah, together. They really do well together. That's another reason like the kind of. Uh, uh, the the mezcal Negroni is a thing that I've, I've loved for a few years now. Mm. And uh, I was saying this on an interview I did last night, actually. Uh, uh, when I got to know Anchor, uh, there were a couple things I saw at first that were like, oh, I'm in the right place. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Like the, menu there's, items. There's indicators for but sure. But there's the mezcal Negroni yeah, already on the yeah. menu. I was like, hell yeah. And uh, those smoked and pickled mussels, which are just like Ooh. outrageous. Mm. Um, but uh uh, that, there are a couple things like that where I was just like, oh, okay, this, this is like speaking to me, this whole thing. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So that, that's probably up there. 
Yeah. I if we're talking about bar indicators, um, if a bar sells Underberg, I trust them immediately. <laughs> What's your experience been with Underbergs? Is that a I thing that happened in Texas, or does this seem like a weirdly Seattle thing? No, to no, you? no, 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 no. I because mean, I've I'm had people say that have not lived in Seattle that came here and were like, "I've never heard of Underberg before I came here." Like beer. I've had people. I've had Underberg all over the country. Okay. <laughs> That's a brag. I'm fully owning that brag. <laughs> um, um, not to brag, but I've had underbrag everywhere. I would everywhere. say where I live, in Fort Worth, it's not as big of a thing. Yeah. In uh, Austin, it's a little bigger. That makes sense. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I had good friends who ran uh, uh, Central State Brewing in, in Indiana. Uh, they had a bar called The Cool Ship uh, that was like the you know, number two seller of Underberg in the Midwest. <laughs> uh, so every time I went there, they were like, hey, how much Underberg do you want? Like, we would just like drink. Uh, oh, uh, man. Yeah, like all over the country. Like that. See, I'm not a Fernet drinker. I actually think it's terrible. You don't like any Fernet? I don't like a Bronca. Okay. Uh, yes. Good Good question, I guess. <laughs> but the most prevalent one you're going to find, yeah, you know, the it's the common. Campari of right. Campari. Totally. Uh, <laughs> but, uh I don't really like that, and, and you know that the last few years has been a thing, you know, a thing to shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, probably more in the cocktail crowd, but the beer crowd was getting into it too. Yeah. Um, but the beer crowd, it, like having Underberg is like the option, <laughs> is, right. is great because, and it also actually kind of does what it says it does. You know, it's like, not a lie. <laughs> There's yeah. a science behind the elixir. Like yeah, it, it helps a, you digest after a big meal or a lot of beers. Like you have one of those, and you're. And you're generally kind of ready to keep going. <laughs> so going back to the question, which was beer and shot, I don't really do shots anymore. It's just not something I can really handle. Um, yeah. So Underbrick has always been my my like substitute because it's fewer ounces. It's yeah, it's like it's like one ounce, one ounce, right? Yeah. And it's like forty percent um, mm. alcohol content. But like because it's so small and so herbaceous, it's just like that's like pretty much what I need is like, I need about a half a shot <laughs> because yeah. that's more my speed. So Underberg <laughs> has always been there for me. But when you did mention talking about like, uh, like a Jameson and a high life or something, um, I really do like whiskey. I don't drink it as much as I used to because when I was like actually bartending or being at like a fancier bar, you mm. know, you just have so much more access to it. And now that I've just been in beer strictly for so long, it's like, I don't really go out as much, but, yeah. um, Jameson is basically the only whiskey that like I'll take a shot of. It seems to me like it was made with that purpose because there's so <laughs> many better whiskeys, obviously, but like yeah. it just really is the perfect little whiskey shot. So it's like it's, if someone can convince me to do them at a bar, that's yeah. what I'm going for. Yeah. And I think, yeah, Jameson is, but I, I, you know, when I order like a beer with a shot, I, I don't always just like down the shot. Good point. Um, I, I usually some, can't. Uh-huh. I usually can't. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's some versatility to like be, uh, being able to sip uh, uh, Jameson, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I just, you know, I don't just like leave me out of the fireball. Oh, leave God. me out of the any of those kind of things. Like I'm not that age anymore. That's the problem is there's really that. an age cap with that kind of shit. And like, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you're like at a party or maybe like a bachelor party situation mm. where like, you know, some people, but it's not like your group of friends. And then you see how like other people drink and party and you're like, <laughs> Oh God, dude, you never it's got like out of the college phase, man. Being John Malkovich of <laughs> like seeing how people party. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I've been in that situation where I'm like, 
you guys, like, I mean, this is a few years ago, but like even being like 25 and going to a function where like all they had was pink lemonade vodka and fireball. I'm like, oh, what the fuck is happening here? You guys <laughs> like literally whose decision was this? Cause like yeah. I'm about to throw hands. I didn't this know I came to a kid's party. Yeah, uh, it's outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> and like, honestly, I'm not trying to sound like a dick. Like I'm not trying to be like, my taste is better than anyone else's, but yeah. you know, you, when you work in this industry, you, you become a little bit tune. of a dick. <laughs> we all, we all are. It's fine. <laughs> we can all admit it. <laughs> Uh, you know, All right. beep, uh, beep, 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 beep. I know we haven't <laughs> even gone anywhere else in this conversation besides Shauna's <laughs> questions, but I've got another one. These are great. <laughs> if you suddenly turned into an egg, how would you be prepared? <laughs> Wait, what? If you, if there, uh, so wizard came in here and was like, pink and turned you into an egg. How would you be prepared <laughs> to be then consumed by said wizard? Or just to be an egg. <laughs> Can I interest you in an egg in these <laughs> trying times? <laughs> That's just how the entire pandemic is built. Uh, how would I be prepared to be an egg? Am I? I'm just in a regular old egg, huh? Mm-hmm. I'm not soft boiled or. Uh, I mean, that could be a preparation. Prepared. We're talking about raw to some sort of preparation. <laughs> I mean, uh, I guess I'd just be hanging out in there. I mean, it wouldn't be too bad, right? It'd be like kind of a weird gelatinous hot tub. But uh, not unlike a human fetus, I guess we've all been there before, right? Yeah, yeah, it's just taking me back. <laughs> I get a re- I get a redo on this thing. <laughs> Sounds great. Even if I wind up being some guy's like Waffle House uh, meal. Uh, <laughs> you know what? That could have been the best goddamn meal that person ever had. That's so. true. Uh, I have no idea how I'd be prepared. <laughs> I'd be like, I'd hope I was hard boiled so I wouldn't get crushed. I guess. Uh, Perfect answer. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Um, okay, I'm going to try to actually move this conversation along a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, I know. I've been dragging things down. No, I'm that's not you. Everybody. <laughs> the questions we're getting from Shauna. <laughs> just, Sean and I already have a problem with going on tangents. <laughs> this, oh, like, believe bit me, we're it, doing. it wouldn't have been helped if she was in the room <laughs> uh, with me here because like, we'd all just be doing it. Um, um, I think we <laughs> should tell the story to the audience about the first time you and I ever really hung out, which was oh. when the three of us <laughs> went to Skagit Valley. That's the last excursion I took <laughs> pre-pandemic. Right before the lockdown. That was okay. There's a couple things about that. I have a lot of complaints. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We, so Shauna had booked a tour with the folks over at Skagit Valley Malting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which really awesome people there. They do really unique malting styles and like lots of fun heirloom stuff. Yeah. Um, and so both you and Shauna were working at No Anchor. And so mm-hmm. Sean was like, hey, we're doing this thing. You should join us. And um, it was a it was, Wednesday. It was a Wednesday. That's right. It was the middle of the week. I know why it was a Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> I know it was a weekday because I didn't have my car, yeah. which is why we ended up taking Shauna's car. Mm-hmm. Um, which let me tell you about Shauna's <laughs> car. This is important for you to know that she drives a Nissan Leaf. And it's, it's an electric car. It's That's an all electric you need car. And but the leaf has different levels of like how much mileage you can get on it. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's that's not the that premium. was the problem. No, <laughs> <laughs> because we live in the city or we did at the time. So Shauna didn't need anything that went really far. Cause we're just city commuting. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Except yeah. for when we decide we want to go to and Mount so, Vernon. So yeah. Skagit Valley is outside of Mount Vernon. It's about, um, an hour or so North of Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that's fair. Yes. So we leave <laughs> in the morning and uh, <laughs> we're about like, we're on the way. And Shauna goes, 
I don't. Uh, uh, there's not much charge as I thought I had, or or it's going down faster or something. And we're just like, well, okay, like we'll find a, you know, we'll find a. We thing. had time. We had like plenty of time before yeah, we need to get. You know, to hey, we got plenty of time. Right. It's, it's like nine in the morning. You know, like we got all this time, and so we find this like outlet mall, and we plug in there. And we're kind of just wandering around. It's like one of those half-deserted outlet malls. There really wasn't anyone there. I remember there being a... It was in Burlington. Uh, we went into a Nike store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was like a Coleman store, which I thought was odd because I've never seen a Coleman-specific <laughs> store for like the camping and outdoor stuff. It's almost a borderline Twilight Zone where something's just a little bit off and you're like, <laughs> there's yeah. not something quite right here. And I was kind of like, Coleman, like they, you can buy all their stuff really cheap at Walmart. Why do you need a... <laughs> outlet store for this stuff uh, but anyways uh so we go and then we go back and that was like you know like 20 30 minutes and we thought like oh we'll have a little thing and and that that one had done nothing for us <laughs> didn't charge the car at all. so we're like it was getting close to time that we needed to be at the schedule we go to schedule values beautiful it was really cool to to see their kind of process which is interesting and unique in the world of malting and i i worked for a maltster in fort worth and uh, the, the floor malted um and so i'm used to like what that entails uh but they don't do that they have these like all-encompassing drums drums that some aerospace engineer <laughs> designed they, they made it themselves it does like yeah. all the process in one as it's continuously turning they're giant it looks like an airplane part like ginormous yeah and uh, so super cool stuff it was really impressive i thought it was a cool cool part of the trip and then uh, <laughs> I can't remember what exactly happened. We, we went, went to lunch. Well, we had to go charge the car some more yeah. so we could get back to Seattle. And I knew of a good Thai place. So we're Very like. Very good Thai place, yeah, by the way. We'll park the car at this charge station, go eat food, get back in. We'll be good to go. And it did charge, but it just didn't charge like, that much. Barely any. Yeah. So we're like, fuck it. <laughs> Let's get on the highway and see what happens. Well, yeah, but we went to like, what else did we do that day? We went to Garden Path. We did go I to think. Garden Path. Um, we did a tour there too. Great people. Um, Amber and And Ron. we went to Chuckanut. That's right. There. Okay, the we did South a few Nut. things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we spent some time with Ron and Amber, who I uh, hadn't met previously, but I we all knew each other, knew people from Texas. So right, right. There's definitely another. a connection there. Um, so, yeah. So the reason I know that it was a Wednesday... <laughs> Is that when we were driving back that day? I I play darts competitively in a dart league. Yeah, you had a group, and I've been doing this for like a decade. <laughs> like I really love doing it. It's one of my few like little uh, reprises during the week when we could do it. And uh, and we had a match that night uh, in Ballard, and it was like okay, you know, fine. I'll get back by. I can't remember when it started, seven or eight or whatever. It was the evening. Like we should have had plenty of yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> Should have. <laughs> and so by the time we we're we're driving south, and it's dire straits. We're we're down like under five miles. It it was dropping so fast, dude. So it was like Shauna driving, me and passenger Dave in the back, and, <laughs> and Shauna's very like we're all like anxious about, but Shauna's like extra. Cause it's I like at fifty six, and then. 15 minutes later, it's at 42. And then five minutes later, it's at 32. And it just was going yeah. down so fast. And so we were like stressing to find a charging station. And there was one that was a little bit further up, but it was the supercharge. So we're like, we got to get to this one because yeah. we can supercharge it. And then Dave <laughs> can get to darts. Um, literally, we got to the point we're getting off the highway. <laughs> there is no so more like electricity. Zero or it was it flashing was like, at us. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Sean is we're driving. Like, There's two miles to go. 
to this supercharged thing in Everett or wherever the The only reason why I was in 100% stress was I was like, this car is so light that the three of us could push it so oh, easy. Yeah. I could run that <laughs> thing we down were, a highway. <laughs> we were so close. You know, moral of the story is we got to the charge station. We got it charged. Dave missed darts. Yeah, I didn't Dave get to play. Did and guess what happened that weekend, y'all? <laughs> <laughs> Poor Dave didn't make this dark competition, <laughs> but he did have I an outrageous in a league afternoon night, uh, since. <laughs> but <laughs> the real moral of the story is, if your friend pulls up to drive you somewhere longer than within the city you're in, in a <laughs> Nissan Leaf, rent a car. <laughs> Just like rent, uh, like we couldn't use my truck because it's only a two seater in the front. So yeah, and I didn't have my car because my husband had it. Yeah. So it was the <laughs> so, only vehicle we had. So yeah, just next time, just pass. Just be like, <laughs> no, I don't want to do that. I'll I'll not have a good experience. Just so I don't get and that stuck. was like the first time I hung out with you. Yeah, and it was a great. It really was great. <laughs> it like was, I, it was I thought that fun. was a, a really fun time, and we got to, you know, see this part of the. You know, that was a part of uh, this state that I hadn't seen yet. Right. Um, I've since been back up in that area a few times, uh, which is really nice. And uh, yeah, it's just like gorgeous up there. But it's yeah. also like, just don't go on a Nissan. <laughs> <laughs> That's the rule. Okay. Um, we've got another question from Shauna here. All right. She's really showing her New Yorkness here. Oh, boy. If Rudy Giuliani were a beer, what beer would he be? I'm gonna be straight up. I don't know. I don't. I don't know enough about uh, New York politics to answer this question. <laughs> I don't think you need to know anything about their politics. Just about that strange, strange man. <laughs> uh, did he like marry his cousin or something? Uh, anyway, he would definitely be oxidized. <laughs> no matter what beer he was, uh, he'd be like a black hazy IPA. <laughs> <laughs> just something went really wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's just really bad. Uh, it's kind of dripping down the side of the glass. Smells like farts. Just, uh, yeah, terrible. <laughs> just a terrible thing to ever have near you. So I want to talk a little bit about here today. Yeah. But before we do that, mm. should we open the Orval that you brought? Oh, I think we should open the Orval. Okay, great. I'll never say no to Orval. So that's what's really fun about Orval is like how... One, how well it ages, and how much character you can tell based on whether it's quote-unquote young or old. So this one is from uh, January 21st, 2020. That is pretty young. Yeah, it's not even a year old. Yeah. I normally have, like, you know, you age this stuff. Like, I found, like, a couple years is fantastic. But... uh Mm-hmm. This uh, this also will give you a fantastic Mosier pour. Oh, it's gorgeous! If you're able, yeah. Actually, you know what? I'm going to take a picture the of this right now. Milky, tall foam. I mean, it's an expertly brewed beer. It's one of the best beers in the world. Yeah, and that head is gorgeous, and we're just going to let it settle a little bit. I'm excited. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, this will be uh, ready to go. So I did an Some episode moment. a little while back with. Well, this was last winter, must have been, because mm-hmm. it was before pandemic, um, with uh, Ken Sorensen, who is now at Mirage Brewing. Yeah, I've, um, I know. I've met Ken. Yeah. And we did a little episode on Orval. And uh, when we were drinking it, I was like, what the fuck am I even doing? Like, Orval should be stocked in my fridge all the fucking time, because not only is it an incredible beer on its own, 
but it is an excellent food beer. Oh yeah. Like you can you can eat anything with this. I, I that's one of the things about I, I feel like a lot of uh, uh, Belgian beers. Mm. Period. Is that you can they they pair with almost anything. Well, um, and the Belgians are more serious about food and beer pairing. Not that it, it needs to be a serious thing, but like yeah. we all know how much wine and food pairing is a thing. And in America, it's like kind of one of the things that Seattle Beer School is trying to do is like show how versatile beer is and how amazing it is to pair with different foods. But yeah. in Belgium, they actually like take it seriously, and they're like, no, like beer should be made to be mm-hmm. eating a meal with. Yeah, um, and it shows. Yeah, yeah, they really don't uh, they don't screw things up. Uh, speaking of like traditional beer like that, I had my first uh, West West I don't know how to say it. Oh, nice. West C twelve. Fuck yeah. Uh, recently, and it is everything everybody ever said it was. Right. It's fantastic. Uh, yeah. And my mine was like about three years old, and it hadn't like turned in like uh, some people say that eventually it kind of turns into this like sherry like thing. It can. Uh, I but mean, this, a lot of Belgian beers can. Yeah, but this hadn't gotten there yet. It was like kind of on the edge of that. It was just like a lot of dark fruit and like the. And again, I had that with uh, I had that with Thanksgiving. Oh, perfect. Kind of lunch. So that was like beautiful pairing with some like dark meat turkey and and uh, go, some potatoes yeah. and Brussels sprouts and stuff that I had. Um, yeah. Anyways, I uh, digress. Right. Well, what's interesting mm-hmm. about Orval just taking my first whiff is. There's a quite a lot of Brett character yeah. on the nose, which is something that st- it doesn't deplete, but it evolves as the beer ages. Yeah. And so it's interesting to smell it right away and have it borderline smell like an American um, farmhouse ale because that Brett is yeah. so present. And I guess, too, with the age on this, like that Brett still has a lot of fruit to it. Definitely. So it's, 100%. it's not hasn't quite like dried fully out. Yeah, this is this is probably the youngest sort of all I've had. And it's, I mean, it's good. I can see how it kind of, <laughs> yeah, it probably helped, you know, this beer in particular has helped inspire a lot of like American wild ale producers uh, who who work with like predominantly Brett and maybe, maybe don't mess around so much with the high acidity of lacto or that sort of thing. Um, right, right. So, yeah, I like good that. Shit. So, yeah. um, what, let's talk about here today. What's it all about? What's like? What's the brewery going to be? Is it specializing in anything? What's the vibe? What's the goal? Great. Um, so here today will be a brew pub on the Seattle waterfront, uh, June twenty twenty one, uh, which we're hoping by then that summer will be a summer of uh, rebirth and <laughs> rejoicing. Yeah. Uh, uh, gotta get there first, but we're, we're gonna do it. Uh, but. Uh, here today, it's me, um, uh, Chris Elford, who I, I mentioned previously, who, who also co-owns uh, uh, No Anchor, where I've been working, and Navy Strength, and a couple other things downtown. Um, and then our brewer, uh, Mario Cortez, who's uh, he's not from this area, so he's not really known up here yet, uh, but he's spent some time over the last uh, 10 years or so uh, First at Carbach, which is a larger brewery in in Houston. Um, uh, spent some time at Harpoon in in Boston, uh, and then uh, moved out to San Francisco and started working at Woods Beer and Wine, which is a, a younger beer company there, 
but they have like four or five locations at this point, and they're kind of okay, these smaller, you know, they have a couple like main brewing centers, and then they have these kind of like satellite things. Um, and there he was the head brewer, and they kind of developed these really interesting beers that, you know, some of which are just straight ahead, like, you know, their retro pills is a really solid pilsner. Uh, but then they have like a, a IPA that, that has some, uh, that's been like barrel aged in scotch barrels. So it has like this scotch thing to it. It's very interesting. Um, and a couple other, you know, kind of beers that are a little more out there. And they also started making their own wine while he was there. So he's gotten some experience uh, kind of in that world, uh, which is interesting. Um, he, he's a fellow Texan. Uh, this was not by design, but he's a, he's sure. a fellow Texan <laughs> uh, from the San Antonio area. And uh, when we found him, he was working, he was in, he was in uh, Austin and he had been, you know, kind of, he had been at uh, uh, the Oscar Blues facility that's in Austin, uh, but then spent some time briefly right before the pandemic at uh, uh, Blue Owl, which is an all sour mash brewery in in austin that makes like sour check pilsner and like really kind of out there like things mm. um so it's uh interesting and i i know those guys from my time living in austin and we actually shared a distributor uh when i was there and uh they they make really interesting stuff but but he was kind of a casualty of the pandemic and so when we found him he wasn't working um but uh he wanted to get back to the to the west coast uh, he and his wife had lived out here, obviously, in San Francisco. And now that her job had become fully remote, he was kind of looking for these opportunities. Um, so he, he's going to be, obviously, <laughs> integral to the beer portion. Uh, I think the thing that uh, we're going to attempt is to bring this place to life that, that one, celebrates beer. Like, that's our primary focus. That's the thing we want to make. Um, but then it also celebrates the kind of modern drinker where we're going to have these options, you know, where I know, I know there are some nights where all I drink is beer. There's some nights where all I drink is Miller High Life, you know, like, but there are other nights and this happens more often than not where it's like, especially if I'm going out for like dinner or something like that, uh, where I'm going to have like maybe a little cocktail to start things mm -hmm. or, uh, to finish things and have a beer with dinner or vice versa, or have some wine with dinner or whatever. Mm -hmm. But like throughout the night, uh, I'm not going to overindulge, but I'm going to kind of bounce between these things. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're planning to have a small, but like nuanced wine program, uh, based somewhat on our experiences with, uh, no anchor and also, uh, Vinny's our little wine shop mm -hmm. that we have, uh, and then uh, also we're going to have a cocktail program that should be pretty interesting. We're kind of jokingly calling it a choose your own adventure cocktail program. Uh, but what that will mean is that like the mixer or whatever will be on draft. Um, okay. And for the most part, they'll be non-alcoholic right. at that point, which means That's that we also cool. have this very good, diverse kind of selection of non-alcoholic drinks that aren't just like, hey, can I have a seltzer water? Or, hey, can I have a Shirley right. Temple or whatever? Right. Like nobody likes that who doesn't drink. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, like alcohol. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of them really want something for them, uh, you know, that's just as nuanced yeah. as the like fancy cocktail that you can get. Uh, so, and also there are people, you know, I, I do this regularly where it's just like, you know what, I just want a break. Like, I just want something, I want to take a moment. That's the biggest thing for me is just like a little break. Yeah, yeah. And I, and from time to time, those breaks last days, but sometimes they're just like that hour with dinner where you're just like, 
you know what, I'll just have like a, a Topo Chico or something like that. And, mm-hmm. and like, uh, so we want to make sure that that's offered to people. And the cocktail, so these cocktails, uh, you'll be able to choose like the spirit you want into the, into the mixer. And we'll have some recommendations, obviously, mm-hmm. and like things that, that work well with others. And then we'll have a kitchen that uh, will pretty much feature, you know, really more approachable kind of bar food stuff, but probably a couple of things that are like familiar to folks from, from our other places. Sure. Um, and, and, and we're trying to create a place that that's great for this kind of revitalization that's happening on the Seattle waterfront. So mm-hmm. what's happening down there is that by 2024, they will have completed a park system uh, that they're putting in $700 million into uh, the design firm that did New York's High Line, which is one of the coolest like kind of things to happen uh, in New York, I think, recently, uh, which is a giant kind of elevated park over what used to just be kind of, it wasn't a place you wanted to be. Um, they're the ones designing this kind of like these parks that'll be kind of interspersed throughout the waterfront. Um, and so we, we think that the that waterfront of the future uh, is going to want places that are local uh, mom and pop shops that aren't just, you know, the chain restaurants or the kind of like tourist focused only things like obviously kind of how it is right now. That, that's really how it is right now. There are there are some, you know, great spots down there like uh, Copperworks Distilling is going to be one of our neighbors and they're going to have a bar uh, kind of beyond just a tasting room. They're going to have like a full cocktail program and stuff. And so that's really cool. Um, and there are some other spots. I love going to the market. I love doing that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can see how like the local isn't like that enthused about it all the time. Yeah, um, no. <laughs> and also uh, the the kind of traveler that comes into town, you know, we get a lot of travelers coming into No Anchor and they're looking for, they're not looking for the Space Needle. They're looking for like the cool bar scene, right, the right. whatever. Um, so we're going to be able to provide that down there. And I think, uh, I think that'll also allow, you know, they'll start to open up that area for, more people like us to come in agreed and and so that when you're coming down there uh either as a local or as a tourist you're getting that kind of like authentic seattle experience that you want um and also it doesn't hurt that down the line there will be uh you know cruise ships unloading thousands of people again onto that space uh literally 200 yards from our front door so (laughs) summertime baby it'll be Uh, i know yeah and we're we're kind of looking forward to that um so as far as what we're going to specialize in i think we're really going to focus first on kind of the uh uh like drinkability factor uh you know we want people to have stuff that they're familiar with so that we can serve kind of both audiences uh and then we'll always step out of those boundaries uh, quite a bit. Uh, one of the things that impressed us about Mario when we first were talking to him about this position is he had gone, we kind of asked a blanket question of like, we're going to have these eight Mueller serving tanks up in the tap room. They're going to be like beautiful kind of fixtures of the tap room, but also serve a great purpose and that they're this really efficient way to uh, deliver draft beer consistently in a large format versus having like a bunch of kegs that we have to worry about that Mm. sort of thing. Uh, We asked them, you know, what are you going to fill those with in the summertime? What are you going to fill those with in the wintertime? Like what's kind of your plan? Mm -hmm. What do you think it is? And he came to us with like a full production plan (laughs) pretty much like a very, very thought out thing. But one of the things that really stuck with us was that he had, uh, he had gone and looked at old Navy strength menus, which is the tropical bar that we have. Uh, 
and he had gone and looked at some old no anchor menus and so he was understanding like our position on like flavor yeah and he had created some beer recipes utilizing some of that stuff you know and even gone so far with like a couple of them i think to like homebrew them in like a gallon batch to just like be like oh let's see how this might actually work or if it wouldn't mm-hmm. um and so so yeah it was very like very well thought out and so i i really trust kind of his thought on that um we've already kind of outlined a few things uh there's some historical styles that he and i have a big love for that chris also does too uh like grodziski like a, a polish smoked wheat beer mm-hmm. uh so you'll probably see one of those on there um and yeah, we, we don't want to be, I think we're right now we're, we're focused on kind of, you know, taking that first year to, to make a lot of great beer and then, you know, then we'll know the, the few things that like we need to make sure we always have. Right. Um, it, there's definitely there, you're gonna, I mean, it seems like you'll, you'll definitely learn what your audience is going to be like, what's working, what doesn't that. Mm. I mean, it's like that for the first couple of years for any brewery or restaurant. Of course. Yeah. And so we don't want to like, we don't want to tie our, uh, selves to like one particular style. Right. Like overcommit to yeah. a, a theme. Mm-hmm. Now that's not to say that like, we won't have something, you know, mm-hmm. we're not like, we won't have IPAs because we like money. So, you know. Like, There's that. Uh, and I mean, I mean, also we like IPAs, you know. Uh, so it's like, um, but we're not going to be like the hazy, the new hazy house, you right, know, exactly, that kind of thing. Exactly. So, so uh, I think we're giving ourselves a lot of flexibility and room there to kind of like see what speaks to us, see what speaks to the customer, to the guest, to these people that, you know, will be our supporters at first. Uh, because we're also already giving them this, this kind of array of like, hey, you know, this is your party. Like, pick the thing you mm-hmm. want to do tonight. You know, right, like, you right, want to have right. some cocktails here with us? Like, great. Uh, you want some really good wine? Awesome. You want to have none of those things? <laughs> like, cool. We'll probably have something for you. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Um, and also we can kind of help bridge that gap for different consumers who might be like, just one thing. Like, I'm just sure. a beer drinker. Well, hey, you really love this beer that has like this kind of like Sauvignon Blanc note to it. So like, here's a Sauvignon Blanc that we really love. That's not like overpowering, not like too wine yeah, whiny yeah. for you, um, kind of thing. So, so yeah, I, I we're giving ourselves a lot of room as far as the feel and vibe in there. We're gonna have a lot of neon. Uh, we're gonna have a lot of like lighting effect to create uh, kind of texture in the space versus uh, like actual, you know differences in walls and stuff the one thing about it is like literally uh pretty much half of our walls are windows which is awesome um we're we're in a building that was built onto the old spaghetti factory building Mm -hmm. uh, which is a landmark in in, on the waterfront in seattle uh it's right at the south end of the sculpture park um and we're looking across at a at a pier um, and so one one wall of windows is actually just looking at it's in the looking at the hallway between us and the uh, spaghetti building, old mm-hmm. spaghetti factory building, spaghetti building. <laughs> so we get this like old brick on one side, yeah. which is awesome. Then we have this old line of windows looking out at the waterfront and the pier and all that. That's great. And there's a lot, another little more down at the end of our where our production space will be. That's just kind of looking out to Clay Street, which is the mm-hmm. cross street there. Um, so that uh, we are planning on having, we're looking at having a kind of a living wall. So there'll be some green space in there um, and really just like a cool 
great place where like either you can come and have like a night out, like you're about to go see one of the concerts at the new like performing area that's going to be down on the waterfront. Um, or you're just trying to like grab some lunch with the family. Uh, we have a big outdoor area that uh, has like a 50 person capacity, I believe. Um, so we'll have kind of this way to make it a really versatile space to kind of match the versatile menu mm -hmm. where you can literally come there and enjoy like the space how you want to. Right. And that seems like the smartest move to make. I mean, not only for a new brewery in an already competitive scene, mm -hmm. but also like you're talking about integrating this kind of new phase that's happening in that area of Seattle, um, kind of downtown waterfront yeah. um, area. And it seems like that's probably was going to work best because you for the type of people, whether it's like tourists, um, people working over there you know, people coming in, whatever it is, it's always going to be a really diverse group of people Yeah. in definitely. terms of like what they're looking for, what type of people they are and, you know, what their interests are in terms of like beer and food. Yeah. And I, I think a crux of our take on hospitality, and this is something that, uh, you know, caused Chris and I to bond, I think pretty quickly, uh, is that because we kind of individually held these beliefs before we ever met each other. Um, is that uh, we're not, Chris says a lot, it's like, you know, it's not our party if we're behind the bar, it's it's the guest party. Uh, we don't want to ever, like, give you something and say, this is what it is mm. when you come to Seattle. And, like, that area, that waterfront is, like, such an access point mm -hmm. for people to this city. Uh, you know, it's generally, if you're in from out of town, like, the most of the hotels are down there. Uh, you know, you're going to stay down there. And then you might bounce out to other places. So we want when people come into that place, uh, we don't want them to be told that like, hey, this is what you get here. No, it's like we have what you want here. This is <laughs> our uh, this is our version of it. You right. Know? Right. Um, and we want you to be able to to access that. I think uh, I think that's just super important as as like the city grows, as the the beer and and beverage scene grows, is that. We don't ever get to the point where we're saying like, no, 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 this is it. Sure. It's like, yeah. no, we're all just growing. We're learning. We're doing yeah. new things. Um, and we're finding new tastes and our tastes are changing and, and the consumer's taste is changing. So like, how do we meet that thing? Mm -hmm. And if you, if you go too far into one corner, then that leads you into this danger of like not being able to to reach anybody anymore. Right. You know? And like it can work to a certain extent, but it, I think you're right in terms of how the city is changing for one, but also just kind of how the world is changing. I mean, yeah. I think we're definitely shifting into uh, a new age <laughs> of yeah. humans. I think the pandemic has just exposed that. And I yeah. think it's, it's going to be good. It sounds like some good shit. I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to uh, get it into the Finally world. Finally get it going. Uh, so shameless <laughs> plug, we are still fundraising. So yes. if you want to uh, join, kind of get in on the party early, uh, we're uh, we're raising money through WeFunder. Uh, so it's WeFunder.com slash here today. I'll put the link in the bio Great. for this. Um, and we're about uh, a little over halfway to our initial goal. And, and as soon as we hit that initial goal, then we'll start building. Yeah. Um, our contractors are kind of just waiting on the green light <laughs> at this point. For uh, sure, yeah. Um, and, and a check. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're, uh, it has been great. I've been spending a lot of time in that space recently. Um, 
just to one, I have a key. I don't know why they gave me a key, but uh, <laughs> uh, but two, just to kind of be in the space and like start to feel what it's going to feel like in mm-hmm. there uh, when when people are in there and start to kind of dream a little bit about that. And that's been like good inspiration for the absolutely the marketing work and stuff that I do when I'm sitting in there. Right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we've got another uh, from our, beep, our beep, correspondent. Beep, 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 beep. I think so. Yeah. In the field. <laughs> oh, okay. Shauna wanted to address the last question we had, which is about Rudy Giuliani. Okay, not the egg. (laughs) She's saying um, that, in her opinion, he'd be like an extract brewed barrel age Lichtenhainer that was left in the sun for about 20 years and then rebottled into a different bottle to try to cover the issues, but it wasn't capped correctly, so it got further fucked, confusing, flat, oxidized, like I said, skunked, and gross. Amen. One, I do want to touch on really quick, um, Mm. and we'll keep it to uh, Cliff Notes version, um, about your work with Good Beer Hunting and what you do there. Yeah, so I've been, uh, it it really is a Cliff Notes version, no matter how (laughs) you slice it. Uh, No, I've been uh, uh, contributing to them for about three years now, Uh, mainly just like photography and a little bit of writing, whatever. Uh, there was a about a year where I worked on their studio side with some of their their uh, clients, which are breweries around the country, um, and uh, and did some like content work for for those breweries. Uh, but ultimately, what it is is it's just a a great community of people. I'm also a part of their their supporter community, which is called the Fervent Few, and it's just kind of been this place to to meet fellow beer people mm-hmm. uh who aren't like total uh you know it's not like the the facebook beer groups of the world that get like real rough um, i mean that's not <sighs> so but that's not anything <laughs> i mean but it's not not that either at times you know like we have we have like weird conversations about like sandwiches and stuff like that uh where we argue but uh um you know stuff that wears other people out but i like find interesting sure. uh, but uh <laughs> um yeah, it's just this really great community of people that I, I, I really care about. Um, and I think that they're, I think that the work that is done regularly on Good Beer Hunting's editorial side, especially, is, uh, is unmatched. Uh, I think there has been pre-pandemic and pre-resurgence of Black Lives Matter. I thought that Good Beer Hunting had good content. It was, yeah. it was good writing. And there was definitely... Some good stuff going on there. And then when we kind of shifted into this like more extreme mode of social justice, mm. I have been impressed with what uh, Good Beer Hunting has done. They've really, they've committed to shifting the narrative and exposing more about those who aren't represented yeah. in beer. And actually uh, a friend of Sean and I's um, Holly Regan just had yeah. some work published there. Mm-hmm. That was really great. And they had been working on that for a long time. So it was really cool to see it come to fruition. So I think that in this time where there's been a lot of performative action mm. for social justice um, and we're just talking about like our little microcosm of beer, but it is really cool to see some like real action being consistently taken because it wasn't just something that was posted in the spring or whatever. It was like, I feel like I've been seeing consistent content come out of there. So yeah. Uh, Yeah. I think big ups on the editor and the uh, 
you know, the journalists are. We, we have a, yeah, I think our, our like leadership team on that side, which is, uh, our, our editor in chief is, uh, Claire Bullen, who's, uh, she's from America, but she lives in, in London now. Um, and then, uh, Brian Roth, who's our like kind of sightlines editor, which is the more, uh, journalism, uh, investigative journalism, that kind of stuff. And also like data on sales and stuff throughout beer. Uh, they're they're like two of the best in the in the business i think like across the board not just in beer writing just across the board they bring in people who are the right voice they pay them competitively which is important because there are a lot of journalists out there who don't get paid or they don't get paid the right amount most journalists most journalists yeah and so they pay them at this scale that is like competitive uh compared to other like large editorial sites not like just a beer blog um and and then there's like that freedom of communication and and of discourse within our like kind of group to to allow these these uh, conversations to grow and be maybe become an article that that actually means something has some in- intention behind it versus just being like yeah performative action uh, and yeah I've been you know this I think uh, <laughs> if you aren't if you aren't a white, if you, if you haven't been learning a lot about the world as a white male, <laughs> like I have, then you've been fucking up y'all. Uh, and, and that's been one of the most beautiful things to be able to see in this like kind of community. We have a Slack channel, you know, for that is like the amount that I've been able to listen in this time mm-hmm. from these people who are colleagues of mine who, who like, there's a there's a mutual trust and and caring for one another but there's also that like ability to say to the other hey like learn this listen mm-hmm. to this mm-hmm. you don't have this perspective right. you know and um i think that's great like we've really that's one of the things that's you know in in a year where i have contributed almost nothing to them <laughs> i i haven't written a long form piece since i had a article come out about uh, the farmer at Jester King last year. Uh-huh. Um, it's just great. I've, I'm honored to like be in that room. You know, it's like there, there are just people there that are, uh, one way better writers than I'll ever be. And two, just like these, these beautiful humans who like, who want to share their experience and want to let us all and but also want to sit in their own like kind of uncomfortable places, mm-hmm. you know, right. we all kind of do it together and that's yeah. great. Feel willing to do that. Yeah. Uh, well, that's fucking awesome. I'm ha- I'm happy to hear that, and happy to hear that it's a good perspective from someone within that group, yeah. and it's not just like what I'm viewing. Um, okay, so we've got two more things. I do have a final question from Shauna, but I am going to leave it for the last question. Perfect. So before we get to Shauna's very last question, um, <laughs> we are going to do one of my favorite questions slash segments, which is called Drunchies, which <laughs> is when you tell me your favorite snacks that you eat while you're drinking. Oh, okay. I was like, drunchies. Like Drunk munchies. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't, my hair isn't long enough for a scrunchie these <laughs> days. So, uh, <laughs> oh man, drunk, drunk foods, uh, or while I'm drinking foods, uh, I have a problem with potato, with the potato chip. Mm. Uh, I eat a lot of them. Uh, <laughs> I had some with lunch today. Uh, How can you not? They're so good. I have some flavors and stuff that I prefer over others, but uh, so I love those. Um, also, just like fries. That's another potato. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just potatoes. <laughs> um, 
Uh, but then uh, it depends on if it's during or after, but there's nothing like a beer and a burger. Mm, I really agreed. think like uh, we even even I, I was shocked to find that this impossible burger thing is like actually good. Couldn't you could lie to me and say that that was meat and I would probably right? believe you. It's weird. I think there's probably some like there's something we don't know yet. You know, it's like Soylent Green is people. This burger is, uh, you know, the babies of uh, an alien that we Can killed. Can we just uh, believe <laughs> in a, a plant-based future? <laughs> I mean, sure. It not be But I, 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 it still feels suspicious to me. <laughs> but anyways, uh, what magic is this? Um, but yeah, I really, like, during drinking, a beer and a burger is like, that, that would be, like, when I, I traveled so much at one point for the brewery, like when I would get into town, I would usually take the earliest flight I could out because I'd usually have some kind of like evening event the day I got in town. I wanted to have enough time to like reset and, and mm-hmm. chill but, or, or meet up with other friends in town and like uh, go to a brewery or something like that. And a lot of the times it would be like me getting in somewhere. It's like 11 a.m. maybe at that point. And I'd find a place for like a coffee, a beer. And if they had a good burger, I'd be like, hell yeah, just just give me whatever you got. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, Afterwards, though, there's been, I mean, oof. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of the egg rolls at uh, uh, Jack in the Box. They're actually very good. <laughs> They're as good as most, like, Asian restaurants egg rolls are, which is, maybe says something about the types of restaurants I've gone to. <laughs> but anyway, No, I can see that, though, because the egg roll as a concept is actually a pretty cheap product. Yeah. So it's, it's, like, like, it's like a nice fried thing full of stuff right like know? it's not really gonna there's not gonna be much of a cost difference whether you're jack-in-the-box or the chinese yeah. restaurant down the street yeah and they might even be from the same uh food suppliers sure. so they're just like yeah. frozen egg rolls you right. know like whatever that's fine um that's great uh i've i've been on a taco bell podcast twice so oh my God. i love some taco bell <laughs> it's my dude <laughs> i've got a little bit of beef with taco bell because i've always loved taco bell because mm-hmm. Also with, great, you can get vegan and vegetarian. This is what I'm say. talking mm-hmm. about. Motherfuckers took away my order, which was the seven layer burrito. Seven layer burritos out. Potato yeah. products out. What are they doing there? I don't know. There's Taco been a Bell, lot of changes. You have enough money. You have enough money. <laughs> you don't need to be cutting the menu like this. My my, I haven't been affected by some of their recent changes, which also included that what the cheesy gordita crunch or whatever that everybody got real mad about. It's real fucked up. Um, they brought it back now for a limited time. Uh, there's been commercials. I'm just doing a Taco Bell commercial right now. <laughs> Sponsored um, by Taco Bell. I'm not too affected by it, but I, I am a fan of my biggest thing that I love about Taco Bell is the customization you can do there. Oh yeah. If you see any item on any uh, thing that you, but you're not ordering that thing, but you want that item on it, just ask and they'll put it on there. It might be like 20 cents or something, but worth it. But yeah, like you, and also uh, if you have a good Taco Bell. They will, uh, you can ask for some cooking temperature preferences, oh, meaning shit. like their quesadillas are normally very soggy. Just as they come, it's like a, it's like a poorly cooked uh, tortilla, uh, flour tortilla. You can ask them for a well done quesadilla. Oh, okay. So we're going like secret menu on this shit. And it'll be crispy. Yeah. It okay. It'll okay. be crispy edges. And that's what you want. And so, so I am just, trust me, y'all, like get to know your Taco Bell people. <laughs> 
They will take care of you. They're always very kind when you come up to the drive-thru. You'll be like, hey, how's your day going? I'll be like, oh, I'm doing good. And yours? And then they'll be like, thank you for asking that. You know, so so butter up your Taco Bell people and yes. they'll give you like what you want in a way. They'll charge you for it, but they'll give you what you want <laughs> um, so that your experience will be better. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've probably like slurred out several times. Uh, well done, chicken quesadilla with pico. They'll <laughs> be like... And, That's uh, all you yeah. need. So those are, those are some of them. Um, and then also sometimes I just don't eat after I've like been drinking too much because I know that that'll lead to regret later. So the, I, the longer I do this podcast and I think the more I talk to people who aren't aged 25, I'm getting more answers like that where it's yeah, like, I'm 24 ladies and <laughs> where you're just like, um, yeah, no, I'm like, I'm not trying to eat a bunch of junk food. And I'm like, damn it. I want to hear your guilty pleasure. But <laughs> yeah, I'm here for the Taco Bell recommendations. Um, yeah, I still, oh, uh, I used to live across the highway from a Taco Bell when I live in Fort Worth. I live da- too, a little further away now, but still dangerously close to a Taco Bell and a Jack in the Box uh, where I live now in Greenwood. And so, uh, so yeah, I, I won't, uh, I'll probably always eat shitty terrible food uh but you know it's it comes like with the territory it's part of it yeah just being a shitty terrible human <laughs> i need to you are what you eat you know so <laughs> okay dave thank you so much for joining and it's bringing this delicious beer we are going to round this out with our final question our remote question from shauna which is mm. no pressure or anything but what's the best beer in texas oh shit uh, the best beer in texas Okay. <laughs> I can't say one. That's like rude know, to uh, the other four good beers there. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> kidding. But uh, the, there are there are some that come to mind immediately. And so that'd be Live Oak Pills. Yes. Um, also, their Hef is great, but I'm not a big Hefeweizen fan. Their but Hef is good, though. Like for it, people it is, who aren't even into that it style. It is literally world class. It's good. I can appreciate that it's well made. It's just not something I like. Um, but their Pilsner is excellent. Um Hans Pills from Real Ale is a little is a nice little German number um, named after a dog. So why could why wouldn't <laughs> you love it? Um, uh, Austin Beer Works has a beer called uh, a Schwartz beer called Black Thunder that was like my first fall in love after I had Coast Striker previously or Coast Stritzer or whatever it is um, previously. But uh, uh, yeah, Black Thunder is now a seasonal. It used to be year round. It's not anymore, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and I was supposed to have some sent to me. I don't think that ever happened. Uh, but anyways, uh, <laughs> that beer is excellent, and I think all of their beer is excellent. Um, and then I would argue that uh, from the farmhouse side, which is my like real background, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Le Petit Prince cannot be beat. It is a perfect table beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can drink it for breakfast. You can drink it for lunch. You can drink it for dinner. You can drink it for fourth meal while you're in the drive-thru at Taco Bell <laughs> in an Uber. Uh, it is a perfect beer. You can crush a magnum of it on your own because it's very oh, low no ABV. no problem. Um, and also to drink it like in, in that space at Jester King uh, out, uh, out in their space or to drink it in the countryside of Texas, mm-hmm. which is very different than the countryside here, uh, is a, a perfect experience uh, when you do it. So... Those are those would probably be my winners. Uh, That's a great lineup. I want. I I wish I had a beer from uh, my hometown to include in that, but really, uh, you know, Austin, and we all know it in Texas, so it's fine. But Austin just continues to make 
kind of the best beer in the state. So uh, the the breweries around that area, there are some that are catching up though. We're we're growing, but no, no. Uh, but we're young still in <laughs> in the DFW area and yeah, kind of yeah. and parts of the Houston area a little young and stuff. San Antonio as well, but. Yeah, those those I just realized that all the beers I listed are from the Austin or Hill Country area. So it's hard to beat that area. It's great. It's a great place to go. I mean, I I'm incredibly biased towards my hometown of Fort Worth, but uh, overall, if you haven't visited Texas, you should. Not right now. They don't. There's a lot of people who don't believe in safety. It's a uh, little but, scary. Uh, but <laughs> overall, you should visit Texas um, when it's safe to do so. Uh, and yeah, drink a live oak pills for me mm, and you'll yes. thank me later. We will do. All right, Dave, thank you so much for joining me yeah, today. Thanks for, for having me. Bringing incredible beer and cheers. Cheers. That was a Titan Cast episode.